Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Here's Nylander in the Oilers' own sharp angle. Shot, he scores! Here's Steve Grace, look, fires, he scores! Oh, he's leveled by Andrew Shaw with a thunderous check. Here's a loose puck in front, they score! It's on! Shoot, he scores! The Cat connects with a one-timer. It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Keith will move it ahead to Shaw. To Doc over the Sabre line down the left. He scores! Kirby Doc! Here's Doc with the back and he scores! Kirby Doc! The first two-goal night of Kirby Doc's career. Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team. Each game I'm getting better and pushing myself to strive to be better. That's hockey, baby! Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hi, everyone. It's been way too long, but don't really blame us because there was this thing called the bye week and all-star break and everything like that. But good to be back with you with a fresh edition of a Blackhawks Crazy Podcast presented by FanList. Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on 720 WGN Blackhawks Radio. Joined, as always, by Joe Brand, our Blackhawks uh, reporter here. And before we get things going, because there is a lot to talk about, specifically after, as we record after the 2-1 overtime Lost to the Boston Bruins Wednesday at the United Center. Blackhawks Crazy Podcast is sponsored by FanList. FanList is the best platform for season ticket holders to sell their tickets. Are you a Blackhawks season ticket holder who sells multiple games? Get over to FanList.com slash Blackhawks Crazy, spelled F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com. FanList partners with multiple ticket marketplaces and lists tickets for sale across all marketplaces all at once. Sites like StubHub, Vivid Seats, SeatGeek, game time, and many more. And they do all the work. Multiple marketplaces will increase your ticket exposure, causing tickets to sell faster and for higher prices. Plus, FanList is free to use. Registration and listing tickets are free. And when tickets sell, FanList charges the industry industry, industry standard, easy for me to say, 15% of the final sale price. It's the same rate that all those major marketplaces charge. There are no hidden costs or added fees to use FanList. It's the best way for you as a season ticket holder to sell your tickets. Go to FanList.com slash BlackhawksCrazy to receive a $20 bonus on your free for sale, F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com slash Blackhawks Crazy. We appreciate FanList bringing our presenting sponsors. And I can't talk today. I should have had Joe do the read, but I thought he was doing him a favor by giving him a birthday present. That was my belated birthday present to Joe to take the read off his hands. But I'm sure the folks at FanList will object after that read. And there, Joe, was a lot of objection there at the United Center as to what went down late in regulation and how this game ended. And it all comes down to the referee, Peter McDougal, uh, admitting he made the wrong call on a delayed penalty against Tory Krug in which Olimata went down. Puck went to his stick, then grazed off his glove, but it was in the neutral zone. That cannot be ruled as a hand pass, as we learned from Troy Murray afterwards. Drake Kajula goes on to score what we believe is a potential game-winning goal with about a minute to go. It's wiped out. Instead, the Blackhawks just get that power play that they're not able to cash in on. And this place did go bonkers. I'm surprised it didn't get a little bit more out of hand, especially after Boston ends up winning it at the uh, 119 mark of overtime. Yeah, I agree. Um, you're just following the trend of frustration and disappointment uh, with today's game, and that's what I'm sure a lot of fans left here feeling. Um, really unfortunate break for the Hawks. Uh, it's the the good thing is this team did not play that great in the opening periods, and they nearly came away with two points and nearly came away with a regulation win against a very, very good Boston Bruins team. And when you look at the past couple of games, the Blackhawks have been very close from taking six points out of their last three games. It hasn't gone that way. But we are talking about strides for this team in the positive direction. Um, but it doesn't quite go their way today. So in, in the long run, you can look at the positives that way. But yes, this there's a lot of frustration. 
and a lot of anger for not only the fans. I'm, I'm sure plenty of the Blackhawks felt it. You could really see it in Jonathan Taves' demeanor after the game. He did not seem like a happy person whatsoever. Robin Leonard even tweeted out that the team got robbed of a game, but he also lightheartedly sent out the tweet talking about <laughs> having an interaction with a young fan at the United Center. So that was a good sign. And and Jeremy Colleton wasn't too pleased either. Maybe he wasn't as vocal and flamboyantly upset as we've seen a former Blackhawks coach of Joel Quinville might have been. But uh, a lot of frustration. But but I also think that there are things that the Blackhawks didn't do today where they could have had the two points regardless of what the official did or did not do uh, in the final minute. So there are some positive strides. But, yes, there are still a lot of things for this team to work on. Yeah, in the end, uh, what's what's not going to be positive if these two points that they let get away in these last two overtimes – jump up and bite him come at the end of the season because there was an opportunity to really tack on. I think the more disappointing game was the one against Minnesota. It was obvious based on their previous game against Boston when they were blown out at home 6-1 to one, that the team was going to come out hard. Bruce Boudreaux bag-skated him, and they did come out hard on Tuesday against the Blackhawks, who really didn't seem to be ready for that compete level against a team trying to chase them down in the standings. That, to me, was the more disappointing one. This Boston team is great after... The overtime win here on Wednesday, they move into the NHL standings lead, leaping over the Washington Capitals. And uh, in the end, the Blackhawks end up taking three or four points this season from the Boston Bruins. And it's ironic that they both come in controversial fashion because in the game in Boston back in December... Blackhawks blow a 3 nothing lead. Jonathan Taves could likely be called for a tripping call in overtime before he ends up winning it in that extra session. So it's kind of ironic, the juxtaposition between these two games where things kind of even up, but you always remember what's freshest in your mind. And now the Blackhawks, the real difficult part is they have to sit on this for three days, you know, four if you count by the time they drop the puck in Winnipeg on Sunday night. And by that time, since the Hawks squandered uh, two points, yeah, the good news is that they salvaged one in each of these games, but then letting it get away in overtime each of the consecutive nights, uh, they miss an opportunity in this jam-packed wild-card race to put themselves in best possible position by the time that they're back in action on Sunday night at Winnipeg. The Vegases and the Calgarys and the Nashvilles and the Winnipeg Jets themselves will be playing two games and so, granted, this all evens out over the course of an 82-game season, but that's going to add to the urgency at the start of this road trip that is going to be a you-know-what buster, starting in Winnipeg, ending in Winnipeg, and going to Western Canada in between. Well, I think one of the last things I said in our last podcast was, moving forward, every loss that the Blackhawks have is going to get more and more dramatic and more and more frustrating because of the position that they're in right now. Uh, two points out of a wild card spot at this moment. They're only behind the Calgary Flames for that second wild card spot with 58 points. The Flames having 60, but it's it's that. It's every point is so crucial for the Hawks right now. We're getting closer and closer to that trade deadline, so we're getting to the point of what are the Hawks going to do? Are they going to become buyers, become sellers? And also, they're just playing better hockey overall. So when you miss out on these opportunities, these last two games on these two points, it's so much easier to see the what could have been rather than earlier this year when the Hawks are getting off to bad starts and there's all these problems with the power play and all you're thinking about is how this team is going to improve in the long run. Those are still the issues at hand, but they're not playing that well in certain circumstances and they're still coming away with nearly two points at least one. There's Out of the eight of the last nine games, They've gained at least one point. I mean, this is a, a totally resurged team, and if anything, they're leaving these games with a whole different attitude than earlier in the year. All right, you hit the locker room. Uh, you mentioned uh, Jonathan Taves and Jeremy Cawthon. Let's hear from both of those guys and start with the captain. Obviously, the first question to him was what he was told by Peter McDougal shortly after that whistle was blown and it was called off as a no goal rather than allowing that play to continue on a delayed penalty. Here's a frustrated captain after the 2-1 overtime loss to Boston. We got from the officials that last whistle that blew Kajula's goal dead. He said it was his mistake. They owned up to it. Yep. Frustrating manager to not get that point considering that happened. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they got a lot of shots on net, but I think we got we had our chances too, and uh comes down to it. And Kaji scores a big goal. 
I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Jonathan, what can you say about Robin? And he played out of his mind. Yeah, he sure did. Uh, obviously, uh, they were really good at, at finding open guys and seeming, uh, making seam passes across ice and a couple empty nets and he's diving around uh, getting hands and feet and whatever he could on pucks so um, he's a huge reason why we had a chance to win Frustrating to see Carpenter uh, get the misconduct for that? I don't know it's it's not reacting for no reason so um, again I'm not I'm not going to get into the officials I think there's even the call on Smitty there if it's a hit to the head I mean I don't why is he not going to the the you know, quiet room, as they call it, is out there on the power play right away. So um, at least they called the, the dive on Pasternak. Uh, I thought there was another one there too. So if you got hit in the head, that's that's tough. You don't want to see that, but there's a way you're supposed to deal with that too. I'm pretty sure. So is it a positive that at least you guys are racking up points here, and not coming empty-handed here? Uh, well, I feel like we could have could have won that game. And last night in Minnesota, same thing. So we're not satisfied with it. We know we, we need to come up with two points every night. What do you say to the team after the ref? Comes up? It is what it is. I think we can do a better job, and myself especially, of, of not getting frustrated and focusing on the calls that go against us. It's going to happen. Um, so just got to stay, stay in the game. We know. We have seen the captain get the red face on the ice and scream and yell and drop whatever words that aren't suitable for uh, family viewing and, and listening. When it comes to him in the locker room, uh, he always resets and chooses his words fairly carefully. Uh, that's why he wears the C on a sweater, at least uh, publicly. We don't know what necessarily goes on behind closed doors at certain times. But uh, he took the cool, calm approach, and basically that's all the Blackhawks can do and try and you know, learn from this and and try and put it to good use. And, and hopefully the greater lesson being is that you don't get yourself in a position where you're chasing the game. And granted, in these last two games, Joe, they ended up the first period scoreless, even though they were dominated in both Minnesota and here at the United Center against Boston. They were able to escape those first periods with no score. But still, it's when other teams have that type of momentum, it is a tough thing to turn around. Um, and uh, the Hawks have to just be a little bit more ready at that compete level with what is at stake here and, and use that as a piece of motivation going forward here. And I think that's what is in the back of the head of Jonathan Taves and Jeremy Colleton when they're addressing the issue um, because they they are complete professionals and they know that this team can play better. And if they get off to better starts and they're not outshot in the first period 16-5 to despite there being no goals in the opening 20 minutes, they're not playing an uphill battle as the game moves along. And you put yourself in a better situation to win without needing to have Drake Kajula have the what would have been a go-ahead goal in the final minute of the game. I, I think they realize that. And, you know, a, a lot of the reaction from fans uh, on Twitter has been, you know, why didn't we see enough frustration out of Jeremy Colleton? You know, Joel Quinville would have been seething. And, and yes, you know, as a fan, that makes you feel better. And, yeah, look at this. Look at how crazy, how fun that was. And maybe take some pressure off the players. But, I mean, heck, if you remember Game 7 of that series, Blackhawks and Red Wings, which that instance reminded me of today with the goal being waved off after it looked like the Blackhawks took the lead, uh, uh, Jonathan Taves went into the dressing room and said, all right, guys, let's win this game 3-1. to And and that's the kind of approach that helped them win that game. So Jonathan Taves has been there. That's why I really appreciated his his stance in today's post-game scrum. You could tell he was not happy, though. I mean, the frustration's there. It's it's not like it's being hidden or, or bottled up. It's definitely there, but he does take the high road, which in the long run is probably the situation. Um, but again, this this team still has things to work on, and it starts with their starts, especially in the last two games. It it moves on into the power play. It, it continues with the lack of consistency. But but overall, this team is finding themselves in situations to get two points in the final minutes of the game, and and that's a good thing moving forward. And that's where you got to give credit to the players and the coach. Now you heard him there uh, being asked and talking about Kirby Doc as well. I remember a year ago, uh, there was a discussion going on uh, amongst myself and, and some other people, who in the Blackhawks organization is going to be the next captain of this team? There didn't appear to be anybody within the organization capable of doing that. And I'm not 
by any means pushing Jonathan out the door. I think there's a lot of great hockey left in him. As long as he is here, he will wear the C on his sweater. But from what we've seen from a 19-year-old kid, Kirby Doc, when that day does come, uh, I think everyone is pretty excited and pretty encouraged by what we've seen here in the first almost 50 games of his NHL career with what he has shown that he is capable of being that guy both in performance on the ice and the way he handles himself off the ice. And after that long stretch of 27 games where he had a single point, all of a sudden the points are starting to come. He's been given a little bit greater responsibility with uh, a line you know, getting bumped up in the lineup, uh, centering more recently Brandon Saad and Patrick Kane, uh, giving him more opportunity to get on the score sheets, getting between those two guys. And once again, he comes up with uh, another point. And over the course, I forgot what the numbers were, but over the course of uh, the last uh, five or six games, he is averaging more than a point a game. Four takeaways as well. He got rocked again by Zidane Ochara in this game. You can almost count on one of those per game, but the kid always allows himself to bounce back up, not let it bother him, put his head down, and continue grinding. And I think he's uh, continuing to impress a lot of people here. There are so many positives coming from Kirby Doc's game over the past, uh, I mean, over the year overall, but especially over the past couple of weeks. And it's funny you bring that up, the point of the future captain of this team. I I never heard about that point. It's, it's It's very intriguing. And to think, that was Jonathan Taves when he was named the captain. He was 19 years old. That's that's still astounding. Um, but but Kirby Doc just has this hockey IQ. He's got this physical and mental toughness that you mentioned with the long stretch of not having any points or at least just one point. Um, man, this guy just seems more and more like a polished veteran every day when he's uh, still in his rookie year. Um Again, it's the physicality with him being such a huge center that he, he just embraces being in the NHL day after day. He takes those hits like crazy and, and still gets back on his feet. Uh, yesterday in the game against Minnesota when he had that beautiful move and nearly scored but just missed wider than that, and I'm sure you saw him skating back to the bench and screaming screaming a uh, explicative word we can't say right now. Oh, it's a podcast, but I'll hold back. Um I mean, that's the kind of standard he puts on himself. So you're seeing a 19-year-old with huge aspirations and a guy that has just a ceiling that might be endless. That's an incredible guy to have on your team. And I know some of the other draft picks that other teams have selected maybe haven't made it up to the NHL level yet after Kirby Doc. So this still has to have a few years before everything's all played out. But, you know, you got to give Stan Bowman credit on this one because this is a guy that is making an impact right now as a rookie. But I also feel with the injuries the Blackhawks have had this year, the struggles, that allows Kirby Doc to play a lot and get a lot of consistent play and gain confidence because if he goes through a stretch of not scoring that well, it's not going to be that easy for the Hawks to send him down. So when you have that that built-in confidence where you know you have a little wiggle room, I think that can do wonders for a young hockey player, and it's doing so. Yeah, quiet, calm confidence for a 19-year-old kid. The specific numbers that uh, I was trying to grasp a little bit earlier, six points now over the last five games for Doc. And you know what? Once once he gets in the hands of uh, Paul Goodman in an offseason or two, he's going to be the one dishing out the punishment, and he's not going to be the one falling down just as much on that frame once it starts filling out. So reason to be excited for one. One 19-year-old, a little bit of concern as far as the other 19-year-old is concerned. Adam Boquist scored in that game against Minnesota, appeared to injure a shoulder once again. But once again, Jeremy Carlton, as you'll hear momentarily here, among other things, saying it does not appear to be a severe injury. Adam was, uh, I think, uh, sitting out one game the last time that happened against New Jersey right before Christmas there. And uh, hopefully it's something as minor for Adam Boquist as the Hawks had a roll with five defensemen the rest of the way in that game after he was knocked out six minutes into the second period. So we've heard from Jonathan Taves. Let's now hear from Jeremy Carlton, who, among other things, addresses uh, the officials call what he was told, but here are his opening comments to start things out after the 2-1 overtime loss to Boston. It was a hard game. Uh, they're an excellent team, and um, I thought we got better as the game went on. Third period was probably our best period. Um, you know, we, Once we started shooting some more pucks, uh, I think it 
looked a little better for us. Uh, I think that's what was missing in the first. We gave up some chances to put pucks in the net, and when you do that, you give yourself a chance to get a bounce. Um, they, you know, their power play, their first power play they had was uh, really good, put pressure on us, and they they gained momentum from that. But again, I thought we, we got better as the game went on. Uh, nice to see the power play come through, and um, also nice to see us, uh, you know, we, we went toe-to-toe with them in the third and uh, easily could have come up with two points, even though uh, obviously Robin made some big saves to keep us in it earlier. What did you tell you about the uh, disallowed goal? Yeah, I just, they made a mistake, blew the whistle. And, uh, you know, they, uh, not much you can say after, after that. It's done. So. What about Carpenter? What was that? The misconduct? Yeah, he got cross checked in the face after the, on the face off. And, uh, you know, wasn't happy about it. So. Do you have any update on the question? Um, Obviously didn't come back. I uh, don't think it's anything super serious, but uh, we'll know more in the next day or so. What have you thought about just Kirby Dax playing now? Like every game, just seems to be getting better and better. Yeah, no, he's been great, and uh, it's really helping our team. And there's more there. You know, he's uh, he's close. You know, he creates a lot, uh, and just you know hasn't quite been able to finish, but. Uh, Starting to produce uh, offensively, but you know, for me, it's more you know his two-way game. Just to add some depth to our team, and uh, I know he's going to keep getting better. What have you thought about robbed when the referee admits that they screwed up like that? Well, it's tough. I mean, it's uh, disappointing, but uh, you know, we it'll be another night where we come out on the other end of it. Um, these things have a way of evening out, but uh, it's disappointing because it just. It would have been a big two points for our team to, you know, they outplayed us early on. I thought we got better as the game went on. They're an excellent team, and we, we grinded it out. That's the type of um, you know, home game that we haven't played so much of where it, it doesn't necessarily pretty, but we find a way. So, um, you know, these points are big. Did this game feel similar to last night's game in terms of not having the legs really on, or was it about no. them being? No, they're they're a good team and they they challenged us it, it was a challenge for our guys and especially when we go down to 5d we played most of the game or you know the last half of the game at 5d that's with the way they forecheck and uh you know the type of sharpness you need defensively especially when their top line's on uh, i was you know we i'm happy that we we found a way to, to grind it out uh you know of course we want to play better we, we want to have more of the play but again I, I thought the third period we were right with them Put yourself in the power play tonight. Yeah, it was much better. Uh, mentality was much better. Just willingness to shoot the puck, and you give yourself a chance. And then all of a sudden, we got some pretty good looks just off broken plays. And, and then there's uh, you know, the extra passes there once you recover a puck. How do you keep things in perspective with all the emotion at the end of the game and calm things down and make it not turn into a bigger issue than? It yeah, is? well, I mean, we have some time. Uh, you know, we don't have to come out here right away, which is nice. But. Uh, it's done. So, obviously, you know you have conversation with the referee at, at the time, and they know how we feel. So we're not we're not happy, of course. But uh, now we got to prepare for the next one. I know we've talked about it all year, but they have the goalie performances like Crawford and Leonard. Yeah. What, what's that done for you guys? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, they they had a lot of the play in the first period, and uh, Robin was great. So allowed us to we gain confidence from that that uh, we're in we're in every game as long as we can, um, you know. Not beat ourselves, and uh, that's something we're doing better and better. You know, obviously, we we want to carry more of the play, especially at home. But that's an excellent team. It's Jeremy Carlton after the two-one overtime loss to the Boston Bruins, and we talked uh, going into this game against the Bruins how special teams were going to be key. Bruins red hot. They came in six for fourteen on the power play their last thir- three games, and had killed off nineteen of twenty over the previous six. Well, the Blackhawks' penalty kill had been red hot, and it stayed that way when uh, Boston went to the power play. The uh, Blackhawks' PK, a perfect three for three on the night. They came up big when they needed to, so they neutralized that. And they also, hallelujah, came up with a power play goal. If not for that, they wouldn't even be able to come up with this one point on the night. Alex Dabrinkit finally getting off the schneid as he scores on the power play for the ninth time this season. Nine of his 13 goals have come on the man advantage. So at least that broke through. Uh, that was on their first chance. They went 0 for 3 the rest of the night. So they're 7 for 57 the last 18 games. And even on that shot, Joe, Dabrinkit actually hit the goaltender and it deflected off of him. But you know what? 
he'll take it any way he can right now, and the power play will as well. But it's really interesting. It was the power play a year ago when this team fought its way back in the playoff picture that that the, this club was really riding the back of the power play. They got red hot. Now it's almost the complete opposite, and you just wonder, with the penalty kill going as it is, m- more in general overall defensive responsibilities taken care of, the goaltending that you have, you're thinking, you start getting greedy. And, man, if the power play is able to at least click at a 15 to 20% click, you know, uh, how much that would help this team right now. And you hope at least this is a step in the right direction. But, again, we've been seeing this all season long on this power play unit too. The only way to have a, a greater come to fruition today is if Jonathan Taves had an assist on Alex Dabrinkit's goal for finally getting that 800th point and then – uh, Duncan Keith cashes in for his 100th goal for the next power play. Uh, but yeah, it's good signs to see. It's good to see the Brinkett get back on the score sheet. It's it's good to see them finally convert on the power play and against one of the best penalty killing teams, nonetheless, against the Boston Bruins. That's why I was kind of intrigued coming into today's game on you know what the Hawks' approach would be, what their intensity would be if it would tick up a little bit, knowing that you're going against one of the best special teams in the Boston Bruins. And they took care of business with the penalty kill. They that looked great. A lot of structure. Um, I forget who it was. It was it was Olimata saying that Boston's good. They, I mean, clearly they're a great team. We saw them come in today, but they're a lot of one and done with their offense. They they got a lot of rush early on, and then they they have a chance maybe two, and then the Hawks are able to get the the puck out of the zone. So that is kind of the the way they had with their power play and that that gives them the extra resurgence to create more plays and you you wanted to see the Hawks catch that idea because I think Troy Murray said Boston's not doing anything special with their power play they're just they're bringing the puck in the zone and they're firing off shots and I know that's what we've said time and time again but that's what Happens, or rather, when the Hawks score, it's because that's what happens, and that's what happened in today's game. And then, you know, later on, it was the same issue. I, I thought the passing was a little off for the Hawks today, too. Uh, not even with the power play, just overall, you just still see guys trying to make too perfect of a pass. Uh, something about Brandon Sod with him being on Patrick Kane's line. Patrick Kane is so good at always finding Brandon Sod. That's just his vision on the on the ice and always finding him in an open lane. And it almost looks like Sod is trying to do that. He's trying to always find Patrick Kane, whether it's to return the favor or just to generate the scoring chance. But, I mean, we saw yesterday the game against Minnesota when he missed a wide-open shot um, just to get that extra pass. So I still think that plays a factor. It's these skilled players that have so much talent that are just trying to get that extra pass. But they just got to pep- start peppering the, the goalie a little bit more because – once these guys get to the crease a little bit more, like we've seen Dominic Kubelik do and we've seen Kirby Doc do, these are the young guys that are following along the fundamentals. And if they're able to just keep that consistent, then hopefully they can get the ball rolling on it. And, and, and to be fair, too, part of, part of what that uh, I know out-of-sync look uh, offensively with the Blackhawks on Wednesday night has to do with what Boston does defensively because structurally with what they do with their sticks, I mean, they are a tough team to play against. They come in first in league in goals against average. Great goalie tandem at that. But with that defensive structure that they have, you know, uh, with all five guys on the ice, that is a humongous challenge uh, for any particular opponent. And, and for the Blackhawks, who have been isn't consistent as they have been on offense this year, they're going to run into that. And uh, I don't know if it was necessarily surprising, but you do need more out of that. All right, Ernie Scanton, tell us what's coming up next. Slapshot questions. Tweet your questions to the guys at Boda Tweets and at Joe underscore Brand One for your questions to be read on the podcast. Thank you, Mr. Scatton. A little bit more uh, about Ernie in just a moment, but let, let's take care of business here first. I do want to circle back to Ernie here in, in a couple of seconds, but a couple of slap, hashtag Slapshots questions that were fired our way. And again, people, come on. We need more questions. We tweet these out the day of games. We've got a couple of them here that we want to address. Uh, first one is from Mike, and it was basically more a comment in saying if the Hawks lose this game, and in fact that they did. This was shortly after that official's call in which uh, they uh, decided to call the penalty rather than continue the play on a delayed penalty call involving Olimata, in which Drake Ajula scored. Uh, the officials will be to blame here. The NHL should set an example here. The only thing I can say about that, yeah, it was awful. The officials admitted the mistake. Uh, 
Um, but and with all with all the video replay that we're going through, you you almost want, you wish and wonder it would have happened in this instance. But you can't pick and choose. It's human nature. This game goes at such a fast pace that unless you stop and dissect everything, you're going to have your mistakes. And as we talked about at the start, it is ironic that the Blackhawks got away with a call in the first game against the Bruins in Boston, and it was the Bruins that got away with the call here. It's funny how things even out. It's not so funny when it happens to you most recently compared to your distant memory, but uh, that doesn't mean I'm happy about it. But unless you're going to stop and start and look at every single replay of what can go wrong, um, I'm not sure if the I'm, I'm happy the officials admitted their mistake. I guess that's the right thing to do. Um, but they got off that ice real quick when yes. the game did end. So, uh, Mike, thanks for your comment. I, I'm, I'm certain you are not alone there. And our buddy Margo checked in, and she wanted to ask us our assessment of, of Kubalik's play lately. Seems to have cooled off in the scoring, and yes, he has since the All-Star break. May have been the worst thing that happened to Dominic, but again, he was on such an incredible tear there before the All-Star break. These are the ways the rookies, and not just the rookies. Even Jonathan has cooled off from an offensive standpoint here, his line mate. So that I think that kind of goes hand in hand as well. Some of the other guys have been a little bit quieter. We were wondering when we did our last podcast, okay, even though they lost that game against Florida, is this really a great time to take a break? Well, they came back Saturday, had that thrilling game against Arizona. You're thinking, no, 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 okay, all is good. But now we've seen a little bit of sputtering here in the last couple of games. And, yeah, Kubalik, he is a rookie. Um, so he's experienced the highs and lows of the NHL season so far. And, and yes, I, I think uh, we have seen better from Dominic Kubalik, and hopefully he gets better here uh, in short order, especially at some point during this road trip. Again, you're dealing with another rookie who, who just came came into the whole Calder Trophy conversation a few months into the season. I mean, he, he wasn't right away an impact as soon as he joined the team it it took a couple months but then once he got on that role it almost seemed like he wasn't gonna not score a goal another day in his life so I I agree with you I think it has to do with with an overall little bit of a lull offensively with this team being on the same line as Jonathan Taves also plays a role but the other thing is you got to expect some growing pains for a young kid like he is. And I, I think you can hardly even call it a growing pain because mentioned it before, he and Kirby Doc, these young kids are still doing fundamental things right. They're still getting to the net. They're still uh, constantly peppering the goalie or, you know, just creating offense. Uh, and even if that doesn't entail them scoring a goal or, or creating an assist, um, they're, they're still helping out the long run. And that's something that uh, Jeremy Colleton was talking about Alex Dabrinkit's play coming into this game. He's still helping the team generate chances despite it not showing up on the score sheet. His his linemate Dylan Strome mentioned that earlier this year too. So, yes, you would love to see Dominic Kubelik continue his hot surge scoring goals, but again, it's it's a young guy going through the grind of an NHL season. So so this is going to happen. Yeah, unless you're a wonder kid, uh, it, it's a little uh, difficult to expect this to carry through through 82 games. You've got to give him a little bit of slack. And this is what comes also. You're going to see these ebbs and flows individually in each of these games. There's a certain excitement level about your, your Kubaliks and your Docs and your Debrinkets and your Stroms. And Dylan's another guy who's going to have to get going coming out of uh, that injury as well. Adam Boquist. You're seeing the future here in the mix, in the midst of a playoff chase, them needing to perform well, but they're also young and going through this for the first time. And while they give you a certain excitement level about what the potential is for the future, they're also going through these growing pains. And uh, yeah, you'd like to, for them to, you'd like to set the bar and for them to meet the bar real high. I think realistically, you can't necessarily expect that too. Now, circling back to Ernie, uh, everyone with us here on the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast and the WGN family uh, are wishing the very best for him and his family. Um, er- Ernie's wife suffered a medical emergency about a week and a half ago and uh, is uh, finds herself in a real battle here. And uh, But she has 
you know, uh, made encouraging progress here uh, over what she is facing over the course of the last week and a half and um, is providing a lot of optimism with the steps she has taken. There is still a long road ahead. But uh, I know a lot of our Blackhawks Crazy podcast listeners only know Ernie by his voice, and a great voice is it, it is, but he's a great guy as well. And if you're so inclined uh, to send out or give a good thought or a wish to Ernie and his family, that uh, his wife can come through this in the best possible way possible. Um, I'm sure uh, he would greatly appreciate it, and we would as well. Okay, uh, speaking of medical situations, Duncan Keith, for years now, has had his Keith Relief Foundation. It helps people uh, facing medical emergencies, the people themselves, but also the families. And that's where this really grows, in which uh, Duncan has gotten behind a cause where he joins with the Blackhawks Foundation and Ronald McDonald House to support families who have um, children in medical emergencies and are either here in Chicago and need to stay close to a hospital or come from out of town. And when those children have uh, long medical conditions or long uh, conditions that require long medical care and assistance, uh, Ronald McDonald House, the Keith Relief Foundation, Blackhawks Foundation, all pitch in to try and help ease that financial burden. Is he had, has had a Keith Relief concert just about every year here for the course of I don't know eight, nine, ten years. It's always a country musician, and it happened a few weeks ago over at Joe's on Weed, and that afforded us the opportunity to. Um, catch up with Duncan and go a little bit more in-depth with him than we normally would during the course of a season when he's busy with practice and workouts and games. And I had a chance to catch up with him on a variety of topics, from this being year 15 in the league for him, what the fun quotient is for him now compared to five, ten years ago when he was winning Stanley Cups or when he first broke in. I also had a chance to talk to him about teaming with a 19-year-old defensive partner, as well as talk to him about his longtime defensive partner, Brent Seabrook, who is done for the season here and whose future has a question mark hanging over. We talked about a lot of other things as well, but we began our conversation here with Duncan about uh, his cause, Keith Relief, how he initially got involved in it and how uh, close it is to his heart. Here's Duncan Keith from a couple of weeks ago at the Keith Relief concert. Well, I, I never uh, really expected it to end up being this uh, this big of an event um, and uh, and a charity. We started it. Uh, this is the seventh year we've had it. Um, it was basically started as a way to kind of give back to uh, you know people in Chicago and the fans. Uh, felt like I'd been here for several years playing for the Blackhawks, and I always kind of felt some responsibility to give back and help out. Uh, feel like being an NHL player that's kind of a platform you have that you know, comes comes with a bit of responsibility in that regard and um, you know uh, looked at a different few different ideas as far as what the chair would, charity would be about and uh, you know decided that this was very uh, worthwhile uh, cause that would help a lot of people that really uh, really needed help and um, you know uh, it's helping a lot of families in in, uh, in medical crisis where you know the, the bills or the cost of you know staying away from home. We're partnered up with uh, Ronald McDonald House Charities, so we've we've uh, we've made a lot of uh, you know good things happen uh, with that. Uh, with Ronald McDonald House, we've uh, sponsored a floor. Um, so knowing that families are comfortable here when they're in Chicago to uh, have a place to stay when they're forced to be in the hospital somewhere they don't really want to be uh, provides a level of comfort and uh, you know a lot of families uh, over the years have had uh, different uh, you know situations where they've they've needed help with their medical bills and it's been very uh, uh, rewarding to be able to help them out is there any way to compare the feeling of accomplishment you have from organizing a night like this and and feeling how much it benefits people as as it does to winning a game or or a playoff series or anything like that is there a is there a comparison yeah for sure i mean there's certainly uh it's certainly different uh, type of feeling um you know hockey as a competitor a competitive athlete uh you know that will always be a certain feeling that uh is tough to replicate but this this uh this type of uh feeling that uh, when you're helping people 
um, and you're you're doing it for a good cause, and you're seeing people come together to you know for the cause. Not just myself. There's been a lot of people, a lot of people put a lot of work into this, and and you know the fans to come and you guys to be here. I appreciate it, and uh, you know it's all for raising uh, raising money for to help people. And I don't think I think as human beings, uh, there's no real uh, you know there's. It, that, that's what it's all about, you know, helping helping one another. I know it's always been tied to country music. So uh, if if like a, a metal band or a balladeer or an R and B performer or a rapper says, "I want to do a concert for Keith Relief," are you cool with that too? Well, if they felt like they want to do that for sure. Um, you know, I, I love country music. I'm a huge uh, country music fan, and so we kind of settled on country. Uh, but you know, definitely open to to different uh, different genres. Uh, but you know, uh, I think we're, we're happy with the way it's gone with the country. We've been fortunate. Uh, Ed Warm, uh, who uh, who owns this place, uh, has great connections and uh, with country music artists, and uh, you know we're pretty lucky in that regard. And this venue is uh, probably the perfect venue to have, uh, you know, the event. Uh, so you know, uh, we're excited to be here and we're excited to, to get it going. All right. Somehow we've gotten to year fifteen in the NHL. Uh, are you? Are you having as much fun as you did five years ago, ten years ago, even fifteen years ago? And how important is it to, to keep that fun element for you? Yeah, I think I am probably being able to have more fun, um, probably able to separate things a little bit better than I used to when I was younger. Um, I'm able to take care of my body better, to be able to rest, recover the proper way, so I can have energy to to enjoy uh, doing things outside of hockey and. Um, you know, I enjoy the different kind of phases that have happened throughout my career, being from a younger guy to a guy that's, you know, in his mid-20s to late-20s where you're kind of in the mix with everybody. And then now as an older guy on the team, I enjoy that uh, the role as well. Um, I just take it as it comes and try to be my best on the ice and uh, and have, have lots of fun off the ice. How... Has there been a point in recent years when the winning hasn't come as often where it's less fun? And and along those lines, I'm also going to ask you, you know, how much does having a, a six, seven-year-old little boy at home, uh, how much does that help out? Well, I think that's uh, probably the biggest change, you know, for me to, to enjoy and see the things from a different perspective. You know, when I see fans and I see kids, it's definitely... Uh, different than when i was 20 i really feel like i connect better with uh, kids now and now that i have kids and um and then the parents also on top of that because i'm a parent myself so um you know hockey anytime you're losing is is frustrating but we're definitely fortunate to to be uh, a part of a great organization from rocky where it's john mcdonough um you know the way we're treating this organization uh, and the city of chicago there's a lot to be uh, thankful for and uh and a lot to have uh, a positive outlook you know it's uh come back from a from a win or a loss and no matter what uh, the dog's happy and so are the kids speaking of kids uh you know you're paired with a 19 year old right now but but what what do you see in terms of his ceiling especially Defensively, you know, everyone kind of knows the offense is there. But what what what's his ceiling like defensively? As he kind of learns the ropes around the fly, I think he could be great defensively. Uh, I think ultimately those are mentalities and uh, things that come down to the, each individual and how 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 bad you want to be a good defenseman, uh, good defensively. Certainly, he has offensive ability, and I love the way he he can skate and read the play and. Uh, make plays and, and his patience and poise uh, you know I, I really enjoy playing with him I think he compliments my game because the way the way he plays uh, I think lends into the way I want to play uh, which is a puck possession game and, and hanging on to pucks and, and making plays so we can enter into the zone with speed um, you know as far as defensively uh, I think that that's always a, a work in progress for, for myself as well and uh, you know you're constantly um, trying to make the proper reads and um, you know sometimes you do and sometimes bad you know you know mistakes happen but uh, it's just the way it is I think we're all trying to get better and I certainly think that he's got that potential as we wrap up here um, how much have you ever thought about 
Brent's impact on you personally and professionally? And have you ever thought about if you've been able to accomplish everything you have in this game without him by your side for so long? Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, now that he's been injured and he's been out for a little bit, uh, you definitely kind of look back a little bit and think, like, God, we were you know, playing together for 1,000-plus games and never really missed too many games. And and so, uh, you know, he's been a huge part of my career, uh, and I think he will continue to be a huge part of my career. And uh, I'd like to think that I've, we've, we've helped each other out, but I know uh, having him, uh, you know, being able to ride shotgun alongside him through through this uh, the past 15 years, uh, it's been, uh, I couldn't ask for anything better, couldn't ask for a better teammate, a better guy to, to do it alongside with. Um, we've got a, everybody knows we have a great friendship, great relationship, and, you know, I'm looking forward to. To having him back in the lineup when he's healthy and he's ready to go to help us get some wins. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Duncan Keith at his concert. Don't get a whole lot of opportunity to sit down and go in-depth with Duncan on a number of topics. Uh, was pleased to get the opportunity to do that as well a few weeks ago with Duncan and uh, hope it provided you a little bit more insight into uh, the kind of guy he is. Even though he's been around now for 15 years, he's won three cups. You know, a couple Norris trophies, a Conn Smythe trophy as well, but uh, one of the greatest Blackhawks of all time. A little bit more from Duncan Keith behind the scenes at that concert. So as we wrap up here, Joe, first of all, how was the birthday? Boy, what a start. You know, your birthday is every year, but uh, boy, 2020, what a what a busy opening month. I'm trying to, your birthday was February or was it, was it January. January? It was January. Boy, January. What a month for Joe Brand. Yeah, big month. Uh, first birthday is a married human. Um, I, and compared to what a married caterpillar? Or that's correct. Yeah. Well, now I'm a butterfly, I guess. Then, huh? Uh, I I got the flu, so I wasn't able to do too much. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Not really. Uh, Did it come wrapped in in wrapping paper? <laughs> no, no. It uh, caught me by surprise on Saturday uh, when I had a few shifts, so I had to. Uh, Grind out one of them and cancel another, and oh. then just rest up Sunday and Monday. Went, did a little dinner out in Pilsen, some Mexican food, and uh, yeah, just slowly took it down. So uh, 29 was not too thrilling for me. So uh, I don't know. I, I'm at the age now, and I'm sure people are grimacing at this, but I'm at the age now where I'm not too happy about my birthday. So <laughs> really, still. And this was your 29th. St- yeah, yeah, my my first 29th, uh, as they call it, but. Um, yeah, it was it was a decent week. It, it was you know friends and family I got to see them before or after the big day, but uh, yeah, nothing nothing too exciting. Well, well, I hope you appreciate my gift to you, and that was re- reading the fan list lead here, lead uh, uh, fan list read here. I still can't talk, and <laughs> I probably should have let you do it. We should probably do a take two and probably old fan list after that. So as we wrap up here and look ahead, Blackhawks. This was the first of three. Three home games in February. The next one doesn't come for two weeks when the Rangers are here. And, oh, then it's a back-to-back home situation because then Nashville comes in, and then they're done for the rest of the month as well before a real heavy home March schedule. But looking for the here and now, this upcoming week, um, the Blackhawks open it up Sunday at Winnipeg, Tuesday at Edmonton, Wednesday at Vancouver, then next Saturday at Calgary, and they wrap it up again next Sunday at Winnipeg. The bookend Winnipeg five-game stretch over eight days. When we look at this, Joe, three wins, they're going to start this thing off behind all five of those teams, unless Winnipeg finds a way to lose both of their contests. And they could lose Thursday at St. Louis. That's, of course, extremely possible. They come home on Saturday afternoon to host an Ottawa team before hosting the Blackhawks on Sunday evening. So in all likelihood, uh, the Blackhawks are looking up at all five of these teams. I think that's a slam dunk. So are you you looking for at least three – wins anyway by hook or crook three regulation three any way you can get them and hold the other team down you know to one point while you get two i i think if you come away with three two-point situations and, and hopefully a couple of them at least are regulation wins you end the trip that way i think you're still in, in pretty good business even though even though you're probably still not in one of those wild card spots well sure on paper they beat Winnipeg twice, and they beat Calgary, and they, they lose to the 
heavier hitters of Vancouver or Edmonton, but if we've known or learned anything all year long, is that's not how it plays out. It's it's always been the reverse. The Hawks end up playing well to their competition, uh, which you kind of saw today towards the end of the game against Boston, and then you know they hit their their struggles again against any team. But I think you're right. But I, I also think that's just any road trip or home stand you look into. You you got to take the majority of it, and again. After the All-Star break, the Hawks have gained at least one point in their last three games. They've gained at least one point in eight out of their last nine, and you know that includes that five-game winning streak they had before falling to Florida before the All-Star break. So the good news, once again, is they're on the road. They've played better on the road than at home this year. Uh, the other good news is you can kind of say that they're in control of their own destiny. Um, because you're right, they're looking up at a lot of those teams fighting for a playoff spot, so their play will not only dictate where they sit in the playoffs, I guess this kind of all is cohesive, but it all also will dictate what they will do come trade deadline time, or or maybe not, maybe they stand bad. I mean, that's very possible, too, with the way that uh, these past couple weeks have been going, so... I mean, it's just, it's going to be a very interesting time, and it's going to be a very crucial time. And again, it's going to be a very frustrating time when the Blackhawks lose a game. Fans need to know that. Every loss that's going to happen forward is going to seem more crucial than the last. And I think we really saw a good example of that today with with nearly getting two points against one of the best teams, if not the best team in the Boston Bruins. But uh, buckle up, it's going to be a ride. Yeah, and I think the most important, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't, I use, the, I use the phrase set the bar a lot. You shouldn't set the bar at being, you better not fall flat on your face on this five game trip. But if they do, then that definitely steers the season in an entirely different direction here with the opponents that they are facing here. And that's why it is so important. And we will have a little bit better gauge when we bring you our next Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. And that's going to come your way uh, next Thursday. Uh, after the Blackhawks are done with the first three legs of this trip, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Vancouver, uh, we'll get together uh, on uh, Thursday, the 13th, and try to post something for you by that afternoon as we take a look at what the Blackhawks have done in the first three stops of that road trip. And we'll have perhaps a little bit better sense Better not be looking at three or three straight regulation losses right there. It's going to take an entirely different tone there. So we will see. And um, the logjam, the bar fight continues in the Western Conference with those wild card positions. And it's not only wild card for those teams in the Pacific, but it's also jockeying for the first, second, and third place positions as well. So it's been too long. But I'm glad we're back. Thanks for joining us on this Blackhawks Crazy Podcast presented by FanList. We want to thank FanList as being the presenting sponsor. Also, thank our producer, Curtis Koch, for all the great work he does behind the scenes, Ernie Skatton as well. And most importantly, thank you for listening. We encourage you to subscribe on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. We'll also send out the leak on our Twitter accounts. It's uh, Joe underscore brand one the go. number one joe underscore brand one and i'm at at bowden tweets and you can also find the link through wgnradio.com on all these uh, podcasts posts but again we encourage you to subscribe on itunes and apple Podcasts and leave a review as well until next thursday thank you for listening and we'll talk to you then thanks for listening to the blackhawks crazy podcast tell a friend Subscribe and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great!